Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa sallallahu wa barak ala al-ashraf al-anbiya wal-mursaleen. Nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala ala al-yawmiddin. Amma ba'd. Fahayakum Allah jami'an. Wabarakallahu fikum. Alhamdulillah, in this uh, dars, we will continue with the text of Umdat al-Fiqh. And in our previous lesson, Wallahi alhamd, we completed Kitab uh, al-Salah. We completed Kitab al-Salah. And what follows on directly after Kitab al-Salah is Kitab al-Jana'is. Yeah, the chapter pertaining to the funeral. And the reason why <coughs> this chapter follows directly after, and sometimes it's even included within Kitab al-Salah, is because, yeah, within the Janazah, is the Salah itself, Salah al-Janazah. So the Fuqaha, they would usually mention this uh, chapter straight after yani the Kitab Salah. And the fact that yani, attached to the affair of the Mayyit, the deceased, are many different ahkam. There are many different rulings. So it's upon the person to understand these different rulings, um, inclusive of the Salah as well. Inclusive of the Salah. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. So, First and foremost, before we begin anything, then we have to understand yani, the reality of al mawt in the death itself. Allah Ta'ala states, Every soul, every soul shall taste death. And Allah Ta'ala states, That worship your Lord until the certainty comes to you. Certainty. Allah Ta'ala referring to is death itself. And the Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, mentioned in the narration, Akthiru dhikrun hadimun laddhat. Yani, increase in the uh, mentioning of the destroyer of pleasures, referring to death. And so, this is an inevitability for all of us as Bashar, as insan that all of us will pass away. And there are many rulings that are attached to it. And if it's not regarding ourselves, then those that are closer, or those that are close to us, relatives, or associates, or friends, they will pass away also. And so it's upon us, no doubt, like any form of ibadah, to be well aware of the rulings attached to that. Naam. Well aware of the rulings attached to that. What you find, al-asaf, and it's sad to say, is that you may find a person, yani multazim, is he practicing Islam? Yani is mutamasik with deen or sunnah. He was on terms of the sunnah and the deen. However, at the time of the musibah, and the calamity that befalls, where 
a loved one passes away, they are not aware of what to do. They're not aware of the rights of the deceased. They're not aware of what to do with the, with the wealth of the deceased. They're not aware of how to wash the deceased. They're not aware of how to pray over the deceased. Naam. Whilst ourselves as Ahlul Sunnah, as, Salaf, as the Salafiyun, should be at the forefront of that. Should be at the forefront of all of these things. And the Janaz is no different. The first thing we want to mention are the five, there are five yani, hukuk, rights that are attached to the deceased. Yani, five particular rights that are attached to the deceased when it comes to their wealth. Naam. So someone is deceased and they've left some wealth behind. And there are five things that need to be done in, with this wealth. Bitartib as well, in order. Naam. So the first of them, and this is mentioned by the Hanabila, is the preparation for their janazah. So you prepare for their janazah. So whatever costs come for their funeral, this is the first thing that the person's wealth is spent on. Whether that be yani, paying for, as you find a lot of the time, to pay for the plot of land, for the burial, even for the ujra, yani, the renting, either renting of a vehicle, renting of individuals as well. Sometimes you have to rent individuals to do the washing. If you're, not, if you're unaware of doing it, you may need to pay the wage for the individual that does the washing. Now, all of this is inclusive of the janazah. Now, does it make sense? All that is inclusive of the janazah. So, the second, the second thing that is done with the wealth is the paying of the debts. The paying of the debts of the, in, of the individual. And so the person... Uh, the individual has particular debts, and so he, these debts need to be paid off. And the third are the paying of any form of debts that are anticipated. Which means the difference between the first and the second. Or oh, sorry, the third, the second, and the third. So the first, the second, sorry, is paying off the debts. The third, anticipated debts. Yes, that's the that's the second one, yeah. Second one, second one. Yeah, the third one. Anticipated. So you may have promised to do that. No. So in terms of debts that you're unaware of. But that still be a debt. You're unaware of it, and maybe you forgot about it. But it still, it still exists. So that would that be the second, the third contract. So yeah, essentially like that. If you have a contract, or you have what is referred to as ujra, yani rental. Generally, when we refer to rental in in our scenario here in Britain, for example, rental is property rental. But rental could be many different things. Naam, that you have in this, essentially is the contract where the time period of the contract is 
up until the end of the year, for example. So you anticipated to pay that until that, that time. Now, this is anticipated debt. And you have anticipated debt when it comes to individuals. And as well, they have debts that are in relation to who? So debts in relation to the people and debts in relation to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Referring to what? Zakah is not paid, okay. Fast that I'm not done. Umrah and Hajj al-Islam. The person hasn't performed the Hajj al-Islam. Naam, Hajj al-Islam referring to what? We say the Hajj of Islam. The compulsory Hajj, the Hajj that fulfills that pillar of Islam. So the first Hajj. So these are all other debts that need to be yeah, accounted for. So, then you have the, I'm on the fourth now. Then you have the fourth of these five. And the fourth is the wasiya. The wasiya. Where the individual, either deceased, has left behind a certain portion of their wealth for those that will not inherit from them. I support aside for those that will not inherit. Naam. Make sense? How much is that portion? Anyone know? One third. So one third of the deceased wealth is left aside. Naam. For those that will not inherit. I those that are not directly related. And so thus will not inherit. Naam. Is that clear? And so that's the third. No, that's the third of a third of their wealth. Sorry. <laughs> that's a third of their wealth. Naam. And that is the fourth category. So the fifth and final one is one. The actual inheritance. And the actual inheritance is something that has been stipulated by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala within ayat and the Nusul Sahadith. And so these are the five things that are left for the deceased. Now these are the five things that are left for the, the or the deceased is done with what is done with the wealth of the deceased. Does that make sense? Now, Jay. Thereafter, we have the discussion about yani, the janazah itself, yani Katabu Janais. The Mukadama Mullah mentioned Katabu Janais. And he mentions why that Tuyukina Motuhu Ukmidat Ainai. And so, Ibn Khudama, he begins by mentioning that if it has become certain that the person has passed away, now so we have certainty of the death of the individual, then the eyes are closed. Right, the eyes are closed. Naam. And... Now, now the eyes are closed, and something is placed upon the stomach, whether that be it's mentioned a mirror or something that is hard, as hard surface like uh, iron. So, in relation to the closing of the eyes, this is due to the hadith. 
or the Messenger of Allah وسلم, where he mentions إِذَا حَضَرْتُمْ مَوْتَاكُمْ فَأَغْمِدُوا الْبَصَرِ فَإِنَّ الْبَصَرِ يَتْبَعَ الْرُوحِ So if you come, you come across the dead, then close the eyes, for indeed the eyes follow the ruh, follow the soul. So when the soul leaves the body, the eyes follow the soul. Shaykh Ubaid, Rahimahullah, also mentions that in relation to the closing of the eyes, that also the one, sh- the one should close the mouth. Due to the fact that the exit of the soul can be from the mouth. Naam. The exit of the soul can be from the mouth. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. And then thereafter, he goes on to mention placing the, the iron or the hard surface upon the stomach. This is at the beginning, this is the first action that is done for the ghusl. So this is the first action of the ghusl, the washing of the deceased. That the hard surface is placed upon the deceased. And so the aura of the individual is covered. So you cover the aura of the individual. And you press upon the stomach very gently. She presses upon the stomach gently. The reason for this is in order for anything from yani, impurity to leave the body. So rather than doing the action where the person has to touch the aura, which is not permissible, then they press upon the stomach gently in order to ensure that anything that is within the stomach leaves the stomach. Naam. Inshallah, that makes sense. This is, the, this is the reason for that. Then, thereafter, so you have something covering the aura. You have the deceased in front of you, for example. You have something covering the aura. You lift that up. Obviously, you wouldn't look. You lift up, and you may have some something cleaning utensils, a sponge or the likes of that. With the water, you would squeeze over the private area. So you wouldn't touch it, you wouldn't look. You lift it up and squeeze over the private area. Make sense? And this is the continuation of the uh, the ghusl. Continuation of the ghusl. So these are the, those are the first steps. The first step. Naam, you press upon the stomach and then you wash over the private area because after you press on the stomach it can be understood that there's something may have left the body. So you press over the private area to wash away whatever has exited the, exited the body. Thereafter 
you perform the wudu for the deceased. Thumma yuwadi'uhu. Naam. Then you perform the wudu. So first, pressing the stomach. Second, washing. The third, you perform the wudu. Thereafter, you use cedar. You use water mixed with cedar leaves. And wash the right hand side. So everything for the right hand side, the limbs on the right hand side. And the left hand side. Naam. Afwan, before that, you wash the head and the beard. So before that, so you form the wudu and then you wash the head and the beard. Thereafter, you use the cedar leaves and you wash the right hand side and you wash the left hand side. Naam. And then you do this three times. So you do this three times. Generally, what you're going to find, what you what you understand in this situation as well, is that you're going to need more than one individual. Naam. You're going to need more than one individual to do the, the washing, especially depending on the size of the deceased. Because in order to turn the body to one side, to wash one side, you're going to need a few people to, to do that, to turn the body. Wash one side, turn the body again, wash the other side. Now, so you're going to need more than one individual to do so. That makes sense. And so this is done three times. Now, so, and so, with each washing, you seek to remove any form of impurity as well that may have left the body. With each washing. If, for example... This is not possible just with normal cold water, and you can use hot water as well. Naam. You can use the other hot water. And thereafter, you do the wudu again. Naam, you perform the wudu again. And so, if the person isn't properly cleaned by way of the washing three times, then you may wash. Five times or seven? Yeah, only five times or seven. Naam. So that's the washing. Is that clear, Ikhwah? I did the, the manhaj in terms of the washing, the tartif. So, who can repeat it to me? Who can repeat the washing? The manner in which the person washed. Each step. Place something hot. Upon the stomach, that's one thing. Number two? Number two? Cover the aura. Naam, cover the aura. So, press the stomach gently. That's, that's number one. Number two, cover the aura. Number three? Wash the wash the outer part of the aura. Naam. Number four. Wash the head and the beard. Number five. Perform the wudu. Number six. With 
water and sidr. Now, wash the right hand side with the water and the sidr. Now, the water mixed with the sidr leaves. Then wash the left hand side. This is done how many times? Three times. If three times does not suffice, five or seven. Naam. As this is the, the, in terms of the washing itself. Naam. Wadih. Thereafter, the individual is uh, wrapped in the clothing, the thong, in the garment. And that the individual is, when wrapped in this garment, they are, you place the, yani perfume upon the, yani mawadi' sujood. So the, the perfumes are placed upon the mawadi' of the sujood. Now, And so, that's referring to which places essentially, Ikhwan? The seven mawadi' which are? Forehead, the forehead and the nose. Forehead and the nose is one. Okay then. Hands are two. That's three. That's why the three. Knees and the feet are seven. Naam. And so these are the mother of sujood. And so this is what is done for the male, and that he's wrapped. Within the garments, and the garments that he's wrapped in, essentially are the garments that that cover the top and cover the, the bottom, now and they cover over the head as well. And yeah, the the head the hair is not tied, now so the hair is not tied. It's talking about Rajul, the man. As for the woman. Then the hair is tied into three separate plaits. The woman, the hair is tied into three separate plaits. Now, and this is due to the narration found in uh, Sahih Bukhari in which Um Atiyah mentions that we plaited her hair with three plaits. Yani, and we, we tied it behind her back. So we plaited her hair with three plaits and tied it behind her back. Referring to who? Zainab who? No. Zainab bin Rasulullah. No. So this is, the, this is the action that was done with the daughter of the Messenger of Allah. Naam. And thereafter mentions Thumyakafan Fi Thalati Athwab Albaid Laysa Fiha Khamis Wala Imam. And so they are the the man is is wrapped with three different cloths. Naam, three different garments, white garments. This is the the uh yani the the kafan. So when it comes to the shroud itself, they're wrapped in three different garments. 
Essentially, that is going to cover the, the bottom, midsection, and over the head. Now, there's three different garments. And it's not inclusive of uh, what's referred as the Khamis or the Imamah. So you don't give the, the you don't put the a shirt upon the the deceased or yeah you know, some head, a particular head covering over the uh, the deceased, whether that be imam or ghairdarik, naam. And it's wrapped upon one over the other idrajan. So when you wrap do the wrapping, you don't wrap one and then leave a gap and then wrap the other. No, rather they should be wrapped one over the other. So there's no gaps whatsoever. Does that make sense, Naam. And Now, if the person, if they are wrapped one over the other, يعني, with the khamis and the izar, and if Allah, but يعني, there's no harm in doing so. Either, even though this is not what is يعني, the afdal. That which is better is that you have the three garments. But if you have one garment over, over the top and one under the bottom, and you guys the izar, فَلَا بَتْس. There's no harm in that as well. Now, as for the mother, as for the woman, then she has five garments. Now, so five, she's shrouded with five garments. One which is regarded as being izar or under the bottom. Now, then the makna, which is yani covers over the head. And then she has يعني, the, the garments that cover over the lower part or over the midsection of the body rather. One covering over the other. And so this is in relation to the woman. Now this is in relation to the woman. So again, going back. We mentioned the, the washing now. After the washing is what? Before the shrouding, after the washing, after washing, before the shrouding, perfuming, naam, perfuming the individual, and generally speaking as well. One thing we mentioned about the washing, so we mentioned the washing is done how many times? Three times. From what's mentioned as well, it's not mentioned here, but what is generally mentioned is uh, the final wash. It's not done with the siddhis, but done with something else. Kafur. Mm-hmm. So then this is placed in water. Kafur is placed in water. It's, it's a perfume in the perfume, perfume in and of itself. It's placed in the water, and then this is the final wash you've done with that. Okay. So this is the three washes. Then you perfume the individual on the seven mawad sujood. So the seven places of sujood, then you perfume, perfume the individual. Then what? The shrouding. How many? Three for the for the males. And three for the males done how? They have to overlap one another. There's no gaps. Three and how and how do they appear? What colour are they? White. Naam, three white garments. Okay? And what shouldn't they be? It shouldn't be a, a kameez, a shirt, or a imam. If they are something and something for that, but what? 
If they're the izar, yeah, it covers the bottom, and the kameez covering the top. If it is like this, like that's but the three garments, one covering over the other, is ola. That takes precedence. Now, that makes sense? That's for the men. For the women, five garments. Now, for the women, five garments. And they consist of what? I'm covering the head. The midsection. And the izar. Naam. So you have the head, the midsection, the head and the izar is on two. And then the ones that come in the midsection are going to be being three. And there'll be five altogether. Naam. Thereafter, Ibn Qadama, he mentions. وَأَحَقُّ النَّاسِ بِغُسْلِهِ وَالصَّلَاءَ عَلَيْهِ وَدَفْنِهِ وَسِيُّهُ فِي ذَلِكَ Naam. And so, the one that takes precedence in the washing, Naam. The one that takes precedence in the washing, as well as the burial and the salah upon them is the one that the deceased, right before their death, of course, has given the authority to do so. So they mention in their wasiyah, in their will and testament, they say that Fulan, I want Fulan or Fulana to wash me. That I that intend for so and so to wash them, and so and so to pray over them, so and so to bury them. The proof of that is the wasiyah of Abi Bakr, عنه, where he mentioned in his will and testament uh, that he wished for his wife, Asma bint Umais, to wash him. So she was put forward before that action. Now, because this was, she was specified for that. Now, she was specified for that. Toyo. And Anna Sibir Malik, he specified for someone to wash him as well. You want to know who? Anna Sibir Malik. He specified for someone to wash him. It's an event of my death. Fulan, it was so and so to wash me. Yeah, I don't remember. He died. What Joe was? He's from the. He's from the. The, the companions that Joe was. Me Asana. He died after one hundred years old. Ninety-five after Hijra. No, it wasn't a companion. It was not a companion, it was a tabi. Mashkur. Mahsana Basri. Do you know who is who was from the Khawas of Anasir Malik? I from his from his most well known No. Muhammad ibn Sirin. Muhammad ibn Sirin. So Anasir Malik he gave his will and testament for Muhammad al-Sirin, Ya'ani Tabi, Mashur, 
to do his washing. So this is what is understood from this particular hukum, that the one that the, the deceased, because it's the right of the deceased, now it's his haq to say who he wants to wash him. And so it's from the right of the deceased to mention that, and thereafter, uh, because he has that right, if he mentions so-and-so, and it's, and it's, it's clarified that it's, he wants so-and-so to wash him, then they take precedence. Now, thereafter, the ab, the father, from al jad, from akrab, for akrab, munasubat. And so, when it comes to the washing of the individual, then you have the one that he's intended, he's, he's specified. If not, then the father or the grandfather, and then those that are closest to them, naam, in terms of relation. Those that are closer to them in terms of relation. So what you find generally, i.e. umuman, is that if the deceased, yeah, and he's, he's outlived his, grand, his grand, uh, grandparents and his parents, then those that would be the, have most right to washing them are, are who? The sons. Nah, the sons. Going back to what we mentioned at the very beginning, that... Many of us may have parents, and it may and it may come to the to the fact that we have to we are the ones that have the greatest right to washing them. So we shouldn't want we shouldn't want to be from those individuals that don't have any yani, knowledge of the ahkam when it comes to this affair of the washing. Naam. and this is the haq of our parents, and the rights of our parents. So you should be aware of that. Allah Taala knows best. So you have the ab, the najat. And those after them. Now, as for the mother, as for the woman, then likewise, those that have the greatest right is the um, the mother, then the jidda, then the grandmother, and then those that are closer and closer from amongst the nisa. As for the salah, as Ibn Qudama mentions, illa anna salah. As for the salah, then the Amir, the ruler, takes precedence. Naam. And this goes back to what we were discussing regarding Al Imama. Yani the one that leads the salah. The one that leads the salah is the one that is that who is the Wulil Amr of the land. Or is the Naib al Wulil Amr, is in place of the of the ruler. And is in place in order to do that. So now it cannot now be said, Mafalan, because the deceased is my relative, I'm Makadam salah. I'm the one that's going to lead the salah. La. Rather, it's the one that has been appointed as Imam of that mushtama, that, that that group that will lead the people in the salah. Yani whoever that may be. Is that clear, so it's the one that is appointed the leader, then he leads the people in the salah. Thereafter, then you have the father and then those that come after, as we mentioned previously. Now, and this is due to the general nation, uh, mentioning of the narration. Now, that a person should not proceed a man in leading Whilst he is the Sultan, while he's whilst he is the leader. Naam. 
this is something which is prevalent, or this is something which is relevant, rather, for the leader of a land, or a leader of a household. So if it's the leader of the land, of course, he's the one that leads the people in the salah. If he appoints people to lead the salah, falabats. Like, for example, the Memnaka, the, 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 the Walid Amr, the Malik, the king, will appoint yani, specific people to be imams of the Haramain. Naam, whilst, whilst he is the Amir of the Haramain. But he will appoint specific imams. To the extent, I don't know if it's still the case now, but in, in Saudi, that the imams are regarded as being diplomats of that land. So they are all actually, yani, not only in terms of imama, in terms of leading the salah, but also they are as individuals, they are those that are in place of the Wali Amr. Yani they are representatives of the, of the king in that regard. And so that's the case of the land and also in the case of the household. That you cannot go to someone's house and then say, I'm going to lead the salah. Naam. Because it's his house. He's a sultan of that house. And so it's his right to lead the people in the salah in that house unless he appoints someone else. As a king can appoint someone for their land as well. Naam. And so, this is the nature of the, the Salat al-Janazah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Inshallah, probably best that we stop here. And then the next lesson we go on to discuss the Janazah itself, the Salat al-Janazah. As we discuss now the washing... The, how the washing is done, how the shrouding is done. Thereafter, we have the Salat al-Janazah and the burial, as well as the taxi as well, the con- giving the condolences and how it should be done. And Allah Ta'ala knows best. And we'll conclu- inshallah, we'll conclude this chapter. Bismillah, we'll conclude this chapter in our next lesson. Wallahu Ta'ala. A'lam. Barakallahu feekum. Jazakumullah khaira. وصلى الله وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وأخذ أعوانا للحمد لله رب العالمين